This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everybody. If it's your first time with us here at ABC Church, we give you a very, very warm welcome. And if you're joining us online, we thank you for joining us. Can I ask you, do you remember the last time you had or felt compassion? When did it happen? Did it happen yesterday afternoon when you were watching Wales play the Wallabies and you were getting into half-time like me and it was a mixture, I've got to be honest, a mixture of anger and compassion for the boys that were out there having to face uh, the Wallabies in the way that they just took us apart uh, in that first half. Or maybe you were watching The X Factor. And uh, you were having some compassion for one of the contestants there. Um, the X Factor scores quite highly on the viewing ratings in our house, but I've got to be honest, uh, I don't enjoy it that much at all. Or maybe more closely to home and looking at stuff on the news, maybe you felt compassion when you watched the face of the families in Italy, those that suffered in the recent earthquake, and you see that they've lost friends, family, even their own homes. Or in Calais, in the last couple of weeks where they've cleared the camp known as the jungle. And you all saw the sights that came from there. Did you feel compassion at all is my question to you. So the word I want to talk to you about today in this message, which happens to be the word of the charity that helps us support people that are less fortunate ourselves, is this word compassion. Compassion, according to the dictionary, is a strong feeling of sympathy and sadness for the suffering of others with a desire to help them. I feel it's really important that we understand that compassion is different to empathy. You see, empathy is just that strong feeling of sympathy. But compassion has this added component to it, which is not just the strong feeling of sympathy and sadness for the suffering of others, but also includes the desire to help them. In short, it's an emotional reaction to a pain or suffering that inspires us to respond. But the question I want to ask you today is, what does the Bible teach about compassion. If we take a look at the Bible, the Greek word for compassion is used 12 times in the New Testament, and nine of those are used by Jesus. And I thought this morning, um, in order to be all theological, like our brother Ian is normally when he comes and shares God's word, I thought we could learn a Greek word together today. So the Greek word for compassion is Splanknitsomai. So we'll break it down so you can remember it. Splunk is quite easy. Sounds like a game, isn't it? A game of Splunk. Nits. Oh my. <laughs> Splunk nits. Oh my. Say it after me. Oh, not bad. The literal translation of this word, if you were to look it up in uh, a dictionary or a concordance, the literal translation means to be moved to one's bowels. That's what it means, that we're moved so much by this 
compassion that we feel when we see sights and we see what's going on, that our very inners move around. Unbelievable, isn't it? The thought. So, when Jesus used this word in the society that he was speaking to 2,000 years ago, when Jesus went around doing good and when he went around speaking and using a lot of the illustrations that he did, the audience knew what this word meant. They knew that when he used the word compassion and when he used this word that has it, he was speaking in Aramaic of course, but this was the, the, the thinking behind it was this word splanknitsomai, which means to have compassion, to be moved, to want to do something for someone so much so that it moves you on the inside. Let's look at what Jesus meant when he talked in this way then. I'm going to zoom back 2,000 years. We're going to turn to a scripture in a minute. But before we do that, let me explain to you quickly the journey that we're going to go on this morning for the next 10 minutes. We've all heard the term body, mind, and spirit, haven't we? Yeah, we've all heard it. It's uh, called the human trinity. That's what lots of people call it. Our makeup is that we are body, the physical part of us. We are soul, the spiritual element of us. And we are spirit, the emotion and thinking part of us. And what I want to do this morning is give this word compassion the same kind of treatment as we look at God's word together. So we're going to look at what's the spirit of compassion. We're going to do it in reverse order. What's the soul of compassion? And what's the body of compassion? I'd like to take a moment to read to you the story of the Good Samaritan so that we can understand it. So if you've got your Bibles with me, and I trust you have, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 25 to 37 together. If you haven't got a Bible, please see us after. We'll give you a New Testament copy so you can walk away with, uh, walk away with one today. And if you're listening online, please drop us an email to info at ABC Life, and we'll be delighted to post you a copy of a New Testament so you have one. Or better still than even any of those, go onto your smartphone or your iPad and download the U version Bible. Just look for the U version app and you can have God's word on your smartphone to be able to read. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 to 37 and it'll be on screen for you to follow with me. On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher of the law, he, teacher he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. You know, people do that, don't they, a lot? Have you noticed people justify themselves? There will be conversations that I will probably have this week. I shoved up a couple of moments ago a post onto Facebook about the quiz that we were taking this morning. And it will doubtless have some threads that will take place on Facebook over the next couple of days when people will comment about the work that charities do and how so many people, particularly at a leadership level in charities, are, are paid so much and the salary's obscene, and so people can't see it in their eyes to support charity or to do good things because they feel that charities are doing it wrongly. 
what they're doing is justifying themselves. They're trying to let themselves off the hook when they are moved with this thing called compassion that God has hardwired us to feel. You can't pass a homeless person on the street without feeling something, can you, if you're honest? If you don't feel anything, then you're a pretty hard person. But we justify ourselves so often, and even in this room or listening to this message, we can do as this guy is doing here 2,000 years to go with Jesus to justify ourselves. Verse 29, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. I'll read that again. He took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave, him, they gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. And the whole message that Jesus is trying to get across to this young teacher of the law, the message that he's trying to communicate to him here by the use of that parable or the story of the Good Samaritan, is that you would expect a priest to help the guy that was in trouble. You would expect the Levite, and the Levite in those days, they were the people that, you know, worked at the church and, and put everything out and, and conducted the worship and the service uh, that was taking place in the temple in those days. The tribe of Levi were the ones that organized worship at that time in Jerusalem. You would expect at least them to have some compassion. But the enemies of the Jews, the people they despised the most were the Samaritans. And Jesus was trying to say, do you get this? The people that should have helped didn't. And the one that you didn't expect to help did. And that's the whole story that Jesus is trying to share. So the question I want to ask is, what can we learn from this passage of Scripture quickly this morning as we look at the spirit, the soul, and the body of compassion? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, this word Samaritan is a 21st century word that we are familiar with. The principle of being a good Samaritan. Can you help us today, Lord, as we listen to your word, to be a good Samaritan? To work in our town, to work in our families, to work in our country, to work globally. And really have compassion for others, that we don't just have empathy, but Lord, stir us 
so that we take action as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Question one. What's the spirit of compassion? What's the thinking behind this word when we talk about the spirit of compassion? Compassion in Luke chapter 10 verse 33 describes the Samaritan as having pity on him when he saw the injured man. The New King James translation describes it as having compassion. And what is in real reality coming home in this story for us is that it wasn't just a fleeting moment of uh, empathy that the good Samaritan had when he passed by the robber. It was something physical that he put into action. Compassion doesn't just inspire a few words of, empathy, uh, of sympathy and an empathic, imp- empathetic nod. Compassion for us must mean, must mean action. Otherwise, it's just empathy. The Samaritan, you see, didn't just stop. He got physically involved in dressing the man's wounds, offered him friendship, transport, and even provided ongoing support to the innkeeper so that the uh, the guy could be properly looked after. The Samaritan decided to get well and truly involved in the life of the injured man. In fact, he risked safety. He delayed his schedule. He got dirty and stinking. Must have had to lift him up, put him on the donkey if he'd been beaten up. He, he obviously, you know, really, really got involved in this situation that the, that the guy who'd been beat up found himself in. Let's not forget that these were times of social change too. He was putting his reputation at risk. The tensions racially between him and the Jews. He was putting at himself at great, great risk to help someone, particularly a Jew. That is the spirit of compassion. Secondly, what's the soul of compassion? Well, you see, the soul of compassion for the Christian comes from the very heart of God itself, doesn't it? It comes from Jesus' nature. It comes from the very heart of God. And we know that in English we only have one word for love. But we know that in the Greek there are three types of love that is talked about. There is the eros type love, a romantic kind of love. The love by which I love my wife in a romantic way. There is a, a phileo love, the love of friendship. Lots of you here at the church I'm friends with you and you're friends with me. We have a love for one another that's linked to our friendship. But the strongest type of love that Jesus teaches about in his word is an agape love, which is a love that has sacrifice. The kind of love that forces a mother to throw herself in front of a car to save the life of her child. A sacrificial love. The love that motivates a dad to get up at two o'clock in the morning and change the bed sheets when their child is puked. That's the kind of love that we're talking about, that puts ourselves out. And so Jesus, talking about the soul of compassion here, and the heart of God that's filled with love, Jesus is a person that embodied this word compassion, of action involved in empathy. If you look at Jesus' own ministry in the Bible, it revolves around healing, spending time with those who mourn, and Jesus repeatedly goes around preaching, teaching, and doing good. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, 
teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. And we pick that last passage there about the the fields are white to harvest, the laborers are few, and we water it down in 21st century Christianity. We want water it down to evangelism and telling other people about Je- uh, telling other people about the message of Jesus. But as Bible believing Christians here at the church, we cannot allow that kind of lightweight compassion to educate our thinking. We must have a compassion that comes from the heart of God which is a care for those who are harassed and helpless. When Jesus saw those in needs, never did he turn his back on them. There are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible that refer to issues of injustice, taking care of the poor. It's so integral to the Christian faith that if you were to cut out those verses out of the Bible, our faith would just fall apart completely if we have no compassion. And as Christians, we can spend a lot of time debating all the nuances of the things that we believe. We can talk about women in leadership. We can talk about the way that we conduct worship and whether we should have this, that, or the other involved in our uh, biblical practices. But there's one thing we all agree on as those of several types of uh, beliefs or streams of faith. Something that we all agree on which is that we all should be compared that we should all be caring for the poor and doing something that unites us all together in reaching and fixing their needs we do that without debate don't we James 2 verse 18 sums it up more perfectly than i could ever say it he says this but some will say you have faith i have deeds Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. That's the soul of compassion. So we've talked about the spirit of compassion. We've talked about the soul of compassion. But finally, in closing, let's talk about what's the body of compassion. The body is physical, isn't it? So what's the physical way we respond to compassion? Well, the Bible says and teaches us that the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, is what? Us. The church. We are the physical reflection of compassion, of, of the compassion of Jesus to the world. If we don't do it, who is? Paul teaches the church in Corinthians 1 and 27. He says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each one of you is part of it. We are all part of the body of Christ today. If we know we should be helping the poor, then perhaps the greatest challenge that faces us in our 21st century is how we go about doing it. But thankfully for us as a church, we know the answer. Listen to this. With 2.2 billion Christians... In a great 2.2 billion Christians across the world, that's nearly one-third of the global population, believe in Jesus. There are Christians in some of the world's most remote, most dangerous, and hardest-to-reach corners. 
What's more, within the church, we have a wide range of skills. We have people who can do everything from building houses, flying planes, fixing people, fixing houses, to offering counseling, managing finances, organize people to make things happen. Together, we've been well equipped to meet these challenges in these times by the love of God that should be at work within us. So that we look at these images, we see the situations, and we have pity on the people that are suffering. We could read those stats this morning that we did in the quiz earlier, and they could just remain or stay numbers to us. Can I encourage you, put it in your Bible and have a look at it during the week, and and ask yourself prayerfully, let's ask ourselves, what is our response to some of these numbers? Together we are equipped on the promises of God that are written in Corinthians 12, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. Listen to this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Just as a body, though one has many parts... But all of its parts firm one one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized with one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one but of many. And what we do in 21st century Christianity so, so often, particularly in evangelical Pentecostal circles, is we narrow that scripture down to be just the charismatic work of the Holy Spirit. When it's not, it's more than that. We've all been given different kinds of service. Different ways that we can all work to make a difference. We are all prompted and we're all convicted in different ways about different things that are going on in our world. Doesn't matter that we're not called to be overseas missionaries. Doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter what your job is or where you live. As Andrea said in a message last week, get it on podcast, the message entitled Calling on Vocation. You are in full-time ministry. I am in full-time ministry. It is my ministry to make a difference in the world. And to use all the resources and gifts that God has given me and you to help do so. We can all go and make disciples of all nations, can't we? If you think again of the Good Samaritan, he wasn't a doctor or a physician. But he knew one. And he picked the guy up and took one so that he could get him fixed. He was just a regular guy who stopped to take an injured man to a place where he knew he'd be well and looked after. And then he used his own resources that he had because he could to make a difference in the life of others. That's our ministry, church. That's what we are called to do. The same thing is happening today all across the world and will happen in this house today. I'm so proud of us as a church. Am I allowed to use that word, proud? don't know. I'm so happy. I feel so blessed to be part of a church that's so, so sacrificial in the giving. You're such a generous church. You honor God with all of that you have in what you do. To think that we are nearly 60 children, the lives are being changed all across the world today. It's breathtaking and inspiring. You know, I dream often of a church of thousands here in Ammonford. Often dream about it. 
Because what is the global impact we could have? Imagine if the stat of Compassion Children being sponsored grows with it, that we could get to a day that we are sponsoring a thousand children out of compassion here in the work that we're doing as, as a church. Have you got the faith to believe that? I do. I do. I believe I'll see it in my lifetime. A thousand children being sponsored from this house. Across the world, there are church based in some of the world's poorest communities in the midst of poverty, doing what they can help, doing what they can do to help those in need. They are positioned where they are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And likewise, you are positioned where you are today to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You might not be a doctor, but you might have a smarty tube that you can go home and fill today as Ruth has encouraged you. You might be a child and you might not have much money, but you can find a penny on the pavement. You can pick it up and put it in a Rexy pot. Can't you? I pick up pennies on the street. It's shames. I was walking an escalator in London and there was like uh, 5p on the escalator and I leaned down and I picked it up and as I picked it up, the man behind me said, my, you're tight. And I said, I know exactly where this 5p is going to go. It's going to help a child. And I shared with him just as I'm going on in, up on the escalator that I supported a child in compassion and it landed here uh, in the box. Let's do everything that we can to help, can we? And that's where we as a church work with compassion. We don't have feet on the ground over there yet. But working with compassion, we know that we can. Compassion Partners, this fantastic organization with 7,000 local churches in 26 countries across the world. And in order for us to fulfill the commandment of Jesus to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts, outermost parts of the earth, this is how we can help those in Indonesia and India and in Brazil and all of these places where there are people less fortunate than us. Search online. Have a look at Compassion UK. Just Google search it. Not only are these children being given very practical benefits like food and clothing and education, but their loving Christian staff know them personally and they ensure the children are safe, that they are given the opportunity to learn about Jesus and his love for them. And that they have a place where they too can find meaning, can find peace, and can, and can just be children. I don't know if you're like me, and I'm closing with this. I don't know if you're like me, but quite often, when the children are growing up, do you ever as parents just watch your children playing? Do you do that sometimes where you, the, it's as if the world um, stops for a minute and what happens you watch your children as they play, their innocence, their creativity. Have you done it? Yeah. Wonderful to see. Children in far off countries, they don't get much time to play. Hunger is causing them deep pain. Sickness is causing them deep pain. Or maybe they're scared of who's going to come in and attack them or beat them. My children are so privileged to be in the loving home that they are. I can only deliver that to them because of the way that my parents taught me through this book that there's a God that loves me and that's my duty to care for not just my children but for others too so that they can play so that they can enjoy 
and they can have the childhood that they deserve too. So I finish as I always do, I always do when I do this talk every year Compassion Sunday by saying please and thank you. First of all, I say please. Is there one thing more we can do? We see the pictures of those children on the screen. We see their situation. There must be something we can do. I know the economy is hard and I know there's so much need around us and I know many of you in this house, you struggle yourselves to, to make the budgets work. That so often in your lives there's more month left at the end of the money. But is there something we can do? And at the same time I say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of us, you who sacrifice. And those of you who will step forth today, I pray that God will bless you for your compassion. That God will prosper you. God will bring you into more. That God's abundance will be on your life. And as he prospers you in your abundance, that you might be able to do more and better and different because of the work of Jesus as it work in your heart and your life. Let's stand, shall we? Are we going to sing song to close? And then Emily is going to pray with us when we finish. And as we sing this song, we're going to take the offering today, which is go, going to go to compassion. And you know, as a church, we, when we come to our giving, we thank you in advance for your generosity. And we never beg at this church. But can you give me the right today to just beg once? I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you today. Can we change a child's life today? Can we be Jesus to them? Can we take pity on them and make a difference? So dig deep. You might have been thinking of going out for lunch today. Or maybe just have the starter. Well, let's do something today that will make a difference. Let's give generously as the Lord prompts us this morning by his love for these people that are less fortunate than ourselves. Thank you, Paul. The one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me, moving here in front of me. The one who made the deaf to hear Silencing my everything, silencing my everything. I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you, I believe in you. You're the God of This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. 
You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.